Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hot Plates and Grapes podcast. My name is Aaron Mays, and I have with me executive chef Ryan Hardy, my man. And we also have another guest, uh, some lovely red wine as well. <laughs> Love that. Can you explain what we're, what we're drinking? And this is a great project you mentioned earlier. Yeah. What we got uh, going on here? <clears throat> so um, this is a, a, a bottle of wine that uh, my man... Um, Cedric Niskas uh, makes called Vivantaire, and um, Cedric um, partnered with um, a fashion designer by the name of um, Rosie Asselin and and her husband Max that that uh, were really you know francophiles and and um, uh, traveled a lot in France, brought a lot of wine back, and, and I think the two of them partnered together to make a, a natural gamay. And you know, natural wine is is kind of having a moment, um, has had a moment probably for the last six or seven years. But now I think people are really dialing it in, and, and, and natural wine, by definition, is really one that, that, that doesn't have a lot of preservatives in right. it. Um, they're not using sulfites in a, in, a, in a major way. It's really just natural stuff. And so it's usually wild fermentation and, and wild preservatives, and, and they can make really funky wines. Yeah, this does have <laughs> some this, funk to it. <laughs> this, I think, is a really beautifully balanced uh, stuff. So this is the new project by Cedric and, um, and Rosie, and we're really excited to be pouring it in the restaurants. and. Look, it's lunchtime. Yeah. I thought like a little chilled uh, wine a la Provence, I thought would be really cool. So, this is really cool. It's really so it's light and it's, it's straight to Salud. the point. Salud. Yeah, I love it. How's it going? How are you? Everything. How's I'm good, your family? Man. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Long time coming, man. We've been talking about this right. for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, for those of you out there in the universe who don't know, Aaron and I worked together for the last couple of years. Yeah. And... Um, uh, he was one of the stars at Legacy Records, and <laughs> I think you. this was a this was a project that um, we had spoken about a long time, and, and yeah. so it's taken us a while to get to this point where we're sitting down, and I'm really honored to be here, man. So congrats. I'm, I'm just as stoked. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Full, full, like I'm super excited that this is all happening because thanks, man. I remember um, I had you know the idea, and it just hit me like wildfire, and I was like, yeah. holy crap. Yeah. And then it comes the next day, and you're sitting there. And I was like, are you busy? And you were like, kind of. And I was like, great. Here's my idea. Here's what I got to say. I gave you two minutes. I was like, you know what, man? Why don't you write that up and then get it back to me and we'll, we'll have a yeah, conversation. Yeah. And, and you did like, very perfect. thoroughly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, as we were setting up, I came across a receipt outside yeah. Yeah, from the night, the last night we were open. And it was just hanging out there behind the bar. Because um, we're, we're actually shooting this in Ty's place. For those of you out there who don't know, Ty's is the bar behind the bar. And uh, most special place, shout out um, to, uh, to Ty Ty and to Jay and you know, the whole family for, for this. Oh, yeah. But um, uh, the receipt was like a party. I mean, it was, I don't know, a thousand bucks or something. And yeah. somebody had drank great champagne, fried chicken, had a ton of tequila <laughs> cocktails at the end of the night. Yeah. And I just had this kind of flashback to like, oh yeah, like remember when when we were partying that. like that, you yeah. know? It was almost six months ago, you know, oh, to the day. And uh, to think six months. Six ago. months, wow. you know. What's it? What's it like? So, uh, you know. So how am I? I'm good. Um, I'm very thankful. I right. think um, these moments in life help you take pause um, uh, and really, really take account of the things that are the most important to you. Um, exactly. We can't control so many things in the world right now there's there's a lot that's going on yeah. um uh, people's people are protesting obviously um uh, politicians are are all over the map playing all their cards you know doing what yeah, they can yeah i mean the the ecology of the universe is is a little bit out of whack right now and so we can't control a lot of that stuff we, yeah. we can only control ourselves and our emotions and we can control our reaction to the to the environment and 
it took me a, a few days to, to, to kind of come to grips with that and say, okay, you know, everything is is uncertain. Um, the businesses may or may not make it. We're gonna we're gonna control what we can control. And and um, spending time with my family, I have two young kids um, yeah. and my beautiful wife Agatha, and uh, spending time with them uh, during this has been such a gift and such a blessing that. At a very critical time, they're five and three, and yeah, so it was priceless. Been, it's, right been, it's been priceless uh, for us, and so um, very difficult as a business owner, very difficult as a leader, very emotional to see something that we've I've spent the last twenty years building right. uh, to get to today. And uh, at the same time, you have to realize, look, this is about pivoting, and this is about uh, growing, and this is you know about personal growth and those kind of things. And so, yeah, you, know, you, you take a hard look at yourself and say, you know, how did we get here, and how do we? move from here and so right. it, I have to say I'm, I'm well thank you for asking of course man yeah Any time how are you looking to continue out of all this though like I, it is tough and I can imagine yeah. since that day it's just been you probably may have lost a couple <laughs> hairs I don't know <laughs> hairs gotten longer and longer right. yeah. <laughs> yeah so um you know I, I think what I had to take a look at um with our with our we're really fortunate by the way to have an just incredible um executive team um we as a as a restaurant group <clears throat> For those of you who don't know, we have Legacy Records, which we're sitting in now. We had Charlie Bird and, and, and Pasquale Jones as well, um, and a few other small projects, a cafe, a little wine store, and those kind of things. And, and we had to really take note of all those and say, where are we with each one of these? What's, what does it look like? What does the future look like? What did we do well up to this point, and what did we didn't? Or what did we not? And, and how do we to use a phrase that's been used a lot in the last five years, but how we pivot from here? Right. And, and it was really emotional. You know, we had... Uh, 250 employees um, at the wow. at the date of COVID, and we had to let almost every single one of them go. Yeah. And that was it was very difficult to to do that. It was I, I cried uh, for a couple I of mean, days. I, I, I feel was that. really it was a tough reality to you know like, getting a tough email. Yeah, like, oh, keep faith, keep faith. And yeah, the situation in the world got worse and worse. It got worse. worse every six hours. I mean, it right. was getting bad. And um, and so you look at it and say, all right, how do we learn from this? You know, what what. What can we do to, um, I, I've always really tried to focus on horizontal and vertical um, growth. And, you know, an example of that is horizontal is where you open multiple restaurants, right? And vertical right. growth is how you support each one of those restaurants. And, and so you have these wine projects that aren't necessarily tied to a restaurant, but they're individual projects that create growth in a brand or growth for individuals. And, um, and so we've gone back and really spent a lot of time saying, okay, the, the reality is we're probably not going to do a lot of horizontal growth in the next few years, yeah, but we, tough. yeah, but we can do a lot of brand growth. And we're really fortunate that because we're a small enough restaurant group that we can, we're nimble still. Yeah. We don't have 17 leases that are out there that we're trying to negotiate, but we're not small enough where we're an individual restaurant. So we're able to have a finance team. We're able to have an HR team. We're able to have an operations team. And, and that whole thing has has, uh, has saved us in the in the long run. Here is to play that long game yeah. when the chips are out and gone, <laughs> and you got no money left. It's like, how are we going to get through this? Yeah. Um, is uh, has been in some strange way like um, you dig back into your entrepreneurial roots, and and there's something that you kick back into high gear. Uh, and this uh, like efficiency and you go back to your work ethic and you go back to the things that are absolutely your core principles and, and you say, okay, does this support any of those things? If it right. doesn't, it's gone. Throw it out. Yeah. And, and, you know, et cetera. And you look at, at the positions that we're hiring, does that, you know, does that help? Um, are we, are we furthering the cause? Are we supporting the brand so we can bring more people back in, yeah. you know, cause we obviously want 
desperately to bring our friends and family yeah. back in to eat, but also our friends and family to work because right. um, one of the things as I started on this journey was I, I really set out to cook food. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like that's what you right. do. Uh, you're a chef, you like love food. And so yeah. you're a real nerd for it. And, and, um, if you're a wine person, you set out to drink great wine and, and, and you want to, and you want to open great wine and you want to talk about great wine, you know, et cetera. And the reality, like so many companies that are out there, they realize that their actual core, um, uh, business is not actually what they set out to do. Airlines are not actually in the airline business anymore. They're in the credit industry, you know, yeah. that, like airline miles and credit cards. That's what they actually do. That's where they make all their money. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I realized, I think prior to COVID, but it really hit home at COVID is that we're not in the food business. We're not in the, you know, we don't just sell a table. And, yeah. and that's the way I started out at Charlie Bird. Um, we sell hospitality and hospitality starts with us first and, right, and then exactly. it goes to our employees. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the most important thing. And if that, if that core is tight and solid, then, then it goes on from there. And so it's been hard because, you know, there's, there's employees that, that, um, want to come back to work. We don't have positions. Be, yeah. People are out of it at work. They're frustrated too. Everybody's suffering right now. And so we're trying to go back to that core and really, uh, you know, be present as much as we can with it. So it's just, it's a time thing and like nobody knows when. So yeah, it's tough to not know what's going to happen next. Yeah. But you know, but, but you do what you can. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. speaking of when, like, you know, you just, you know, you want to just cook food. Yeah. So you were born and raised in Kentucky. Yeah. You're a proclaimed numbers guy. Um, <laughs> so you went to university of Kentucky for accounting. Yeah. But then somewhere along the lines, you went straight to San Francisco and worked at, started working at Rupercon. Yeah. And then at 25, you worked at the Rustic Bistro in Aspen, which yeah. got you the um, Esquire's Best New Restaurant. That's super solid. Then you worked for Mark Miller at the Coyote Cafe in Santa Fe. Then on to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts, where you won Best New, Chefs in, Best New Chef in New England. And then you funded, founded the second Slow Food chapter in New England, which was super cool. I'm yeah. a huge fan of Slow Food. It yeah. should be that way. <laughs> and then by the end of that year, you were back in Aspen at Little um, Little Nell. The little Nell, yeah. And you started the Rendezvous Farm, which is yeah. extra cool in my opinion. I don't know how you did that in, in that cold. <laughs> you did an Italian charcuterie, yeah. produce, yeah. And so much more yeah. uh, in an area that wasn't getting that at all. And then um, you took your talents to New York City. Yeah. Charlie Bird, Pasquale Jones, I Legacy, know. Ada's, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. You know, I, you. I thought it was like a major. When I was at um, Institute of Color Education, yeah. I went to the career fair and I talked to every group in that room. There's like yeah. over 100 something restaurants yeah. affiliated. And the only one that felt like home was Legacy. Oh, I talked to so them. Cool. They were like, what are you looking for? Like, we're looking for, the, like, you know, Amber was like, we're looking for chefs. And I was like, yeah. I want to be in the front. She's like, we can work with you. Yeah. Nobody else was trying to work with me. Yeah. They're like, come on by. So immediately I felt that culture embrace. And so, like, in those 20 years, you've done a lot. Yeah. You know, like you've accomplished and I feel like you've started like, thanks man. I'm trying to figure out how'd yeah. you get there? How'd you get to like, what made you change from accounting you know, to, to food? How'd you get? To be honest, I, I, I grew up in Kentucky. I, um, uh, you know, definitely a blue collar family. My father wasn't, was in marketing and had a really good job and, and, um, uh, with a, with a great kind of fast food company. My mother was also in marketing and, and did PR work early in my life, and then she um, kind of stopped to, to be our mom for a, a number of years, and then she went back and, and went into government work, actually, in really? politics. And, okay. And um, uh, which I'm, I'm, she was on the wrong side of the aisle. Mom, I love you. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it, she influenced me greatly in terms of um, my love of politics and my, my love of, of uh, understanding government and those kind of things. And so she... She, she educated as well. And, yeah. you know, and so, so I got it on both sides and both of them really loved food. And, 
um, when I was raised, we had a, uh, you know, a ton of chores to do that was just kind of, you know, my father was a military guy um, oh, wow. uh, for, for forever until, until, I don't know, probably the mid seventies when he came back from, he was in Vietnam for a long time. And, um, and so we were raised with, with discipline um, that you had some serious chores to do and you had to get those done. Like there was, there were no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. <laughs> and so one of them was this garden. And, um, and so there was always, that I looked forward to it every year. I looked forward to tending to the garden. I looked forward to, to, it seemed huge to me at the time. Nice. Um, it was probably the size of this room, maybe twice, three times the size of this room, which was actually a lot when you think about, you know, you're a kid and you got to weed, you know, rows and rows of these kind of things. But, but we always had fresh produce to put on the table. And when I look back on it now, it's because we didn't have a lot. We were five kids. Um, uh, we, you know, it was less expensive to raise food than it was to go buy food. Exactly. And quite honestly, back then, the food in the grocery stores was pretty bad, you know, I mean, the tomatoes were all terrible. You can know, only you imagine. Could, you could choose lettuce and, you know. We're just now getting stuff. to a point where food yeah, is like the way yeah, it should no, be. For sure. Can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's still, we got a long way to go. Exactly. So this is, you know, prior to everything being organic and whatnot. So it's, um, it, it was, it was, it left an indelible, you know, um, um, print on me. And, and so that's how I started. And, and I think as I, as I went through it, I went to Xavier university, uh, first and I didn't really, I didn't know who I was. I, you know, I think, um, there's a great quote and, I, and I'm, I'm not doing it justice, but I'll paraphrase by Maya Angelou, uh, shortly before she passed away. And, and she, I think she, I forget what year she passed away. She was in her eighties or nineties, but, um, she talked about how you, you have no idea who you are in your twenties. You start to understand who you want to become in your thirties. <laughs> you, you set on that path in your forties. You become that person in your fifties. Wow. You live that person in your sixties. You're comfortable with that person in your seventies and you reflect on that person in your eighties. Right. Mm. And, and I think I was stuck in that in my 20s, of course, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And, and I didn't get a lot of guidance at that point in my life. And had I had I had some guidance, I probably would have studied something very different than what I did. But my mm. mind really worked in ones and zeros, more zeros than ones, <laughs> I have to say. Um, I didn't have a lot. And yeah, um, and so, yeah. And yeah. so I, I, I made it through college. I ended up transferring and finishing University of Kentucky, really for monetary reasons. And, um, uh, and then I moved to the West coast. I just, I literally, the day I graduated, I had the car packed and I was like, I'm out, really? I'm done. I'm leaving Sayonara. So and so, yeah, uh, I like kissed my mom and said, bye dad. And I'm out. And I was the last, I was the youngest of five. And so really? I was okay. just, that was just time to go. And so I drove to the West coast and, um, I was going to go to graduate school. I went there to get, um, residency and, and just kind of pursue the things I felt like I started to discover education in my senior year of college. And, and I thought Washington state and Oregon, I really wanted to go to Alaska. I didn't quite make it. And I thought, well, these are as good as I can get. They're completely different than anything I know. They were stunningly beautiful they were rainforests and cliffs. And, and I was a, an avid outdoor guy. And so I spent a ton of time hiking and camping and, and fishing and you know, doing oh, all yeah, kinds of things. I couldn't really imagine being Yeah, it was that, great. And so I, that so atmosphere. I yeah, so I, I wanted to spend time there and, and I, I actually sadly ended up homeless or rather quickly because really? I didn't have any money. I was very naive mm. growing up where I did. Um, I wasn't, uh, well-traveled. We, we used to say we had a six hour radius. If we could drive there within six hours, we could go, you know, that was pretty much it <laughs> growing up. And so I understand that. Yeah. I don't think I was on an airplane. Uh, I think I was on an airplane once uh, before the age of 21. Like, you know, so it was not like today at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so I ended up out there and, you know, the homeless thing really helped redirect me. I think, you know, it, it's, it happens, you know, we, we, 
we'll get into this later because I'm very passionate about it, particularly living in New York City. But yeah. we have this um, like lens that we look through. We're like, oh, well, that's that person's homeless. They must be a drug addict. And or or, you know, they made their own choices, you know, bad choices or totally you know, whatever that, it is. Yeah. And the reality was for me at that time, I went out there, I probably had 500 bucks in my pocket. Didn't know that was that was That's a lot of money to me. Dollar, you know, <laughs> that was a lot of money to me. I didn't know, yeah. and I couldn't find a place to to rent. Um, suddenly, I was you know, living sleeping in my car, sleeping yeah. in a tent. You know, things one thing led to another. Money runs out. You were roughing it. You know, you're going to shelters to get food. You wow. know, et cetera. As you're like, oh man, this this is real. And um, I remember paying for. I went to a gas station and I had like coins in the car and I like bought a pack of like a sleeve of Oreos, still one of my favorite foods. <laughs> and I bought I literally bought a sleeve of Oreos with change, like, like paid for it with yeah. pennies and dimes and nickels. And, and that was a real, I, I can still remember that was a trigger point for me. I was like, I, I can't do this. Like I, 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 I always believed in myself. I knew I could, could get over it, but I was like, something's got to change here. I've got to, I got to figure this out. And so that was, um, you know, only for a couple of months, but it was it was very um, influential on me, and and I think I always had the work ethic, but but I had seen the bottom, and I was like, I'm never, never. ever going to go back to this. I will work endlessly for the rest of my life if I have to yeah. to provide, and so so that got me going, and I I bailed on on graduate school as I just kind of realized. Um, I think I didn't have any money. I certainly didn't have any money to go to school. How was I going to get uh, into school? Uh, I didn't come from the type of background that had, um, you know, bank accounts and trust funds and those you kind of things where I could just get loans and those, you know, those things. It was not easy. So, so I, I moved to San Francisco. I, was, I, um, I went down there and uh, stayed in a hostel, stayed in a youth hostel. Yeah. I think I was the oldest person in there because I was still in my 20s, but, mm-hmm. but uh, everybody else was like Europeans traveling at 17, you yeah. know, uh, hooking up. Yeah. Et cetera. <laughs> like, I got to make like, it in uh, Like, man, I just want to sleep on the top bunk. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, San Francisco was tough. I mean, that was the late '90s. It was, it was, it. You know, every city still has its you know rough parts, but, but it was rough. I mean, the tenderloin there was was like seedy, and <laughs> it was like strip clubs and heroin users, and and um, and it was it was tough. And so, I rented an apartment. Uh, somebody took pity on me. It was I'll never forget this couple that um, was a gay couple that um, I was with a girlfriend who wasn't there at the time, and um, and they said you you need an apartment. And I said, yeah. And they were like, yeah, we see that. How much money wow. you have? And I was yeah. like, I don't have a lot of money. And they're like, don't worry about it. Just you move in when you can pay us, you pay us. Wow. And, um, and so I got a break and it's a huge break. It was do a huge you, do break. Do you still talk to them? Do you still keep no, up? No, I haven't in years. And, um, they were, um, they were great. They owned a couple of buildings in the That's city cool. and, and, uh, owned a couple of buildings in the Castro I lived in the Tenderloin and, you know, I'm post in Leavenworth. I'll never forget the, uh, <laughs> the place. It was great. And um, my girlfriend um, moved down at the time, and, and uh, we started a new life together, and I started cooking, and, and I never looked back. I, I just I loved it. It was what I always went back to. The, you know, cooks are, I think at that point, cooks were pirates. You know, it was a, it was a band of brothers in a way. They're good. Nice, nice. So when would you consider the turning point in that once you started cooking at Rubicon, you were there for how long? Not not that long, right? I was at Rubicon for I don't know maybe fourteen months, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and then not you that long. Moved yeah. straight on to something bigger than yourself. You know, I was really fortunate. I I I think that um, each of us has uh, we each have goals, and and I think we each have skills. Everybody has the skill. Um, I, there's not a single person on the planet that doesn't have something that they're uniquely good at. Right. I think we we often say in cooking 
that you cook with all five senses. You can you can hear the sound of the pan cooking mm. properly. If it's cooking improperly, you know with your back to it that you have to turn around and, and fix it. Right. And not a lot of people have that ability, um, or they need to learn it still. And so I just I just had it. I don't know if I got it from childhood or what, but um, that's basically my only skill in life. That's good though. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and so I, I rose very quickly in that kitchen and, and did well. Um, I was really lucky. I was surrounded with people who wanted to stab you pretty much every day, but they, these were incredibly talented cooks. Everybody in there went on to great careers. And, and that was a magic time in, in our business where people were leaving that kitchen and moving to New York City. And everybody knew that San Francisco was an incredible cooking city, except it was just less than New York City, right? And it's so, always, to me, to me, it's always going to be. I still believe that. Yeah. No, no offense to San Francisco, because I, I have, Grand. yeah, <laughs> I, I love, love that city, and I love going back to it, and I still think uh, there's incredible restaurants and, and food scene there is just amazing. Yeah. Um, so no disrespect there, but I think New York was tougher, edgier, had had you know much harsher critics in in New York. It had um, a much more sophisticated palate. Yeah. Everybody ate out in in New York City. It wasn't a car culture like it was in San Francisco. So New York City was really the goal for me. And so that's where I learned, like, oh, yeah, the best cook in the kitchen just left to go be poissonnier at, at Danielle in New York City. Nice. That's what I want to do. That's like, good. If that's what it takes, that's what I want to do. And so it took me, I don't know, probably 10 more years to, to get to that point. It took me three or four years to, to get to a point where I was at Rustique in, in Aspen. Um, uh, chef owner Charles Dale had kind of um, instituted his second restaurant and put me in charge of it. And and we, we did some great things there and I was I was lucky as you as you mentioned to to um, we won um, best new restaurants one yeah. of the top 10 best new restaurants there and and that put me on the map I think when I when I got to New York it was 2001 and I got to New York came to do a dinner here uh, and to you know accept this award and I looked and I was shoulder to shoulder with some of these incredible chefs yeah. New York City you know certainly around the country and when you're standing in a room you're like oh man like this is the big leagues. I'm here. Like yeah. I made it. Like this, this is the big leagues. Like, yeah. yeah. And so, so I skipped over, um, going to be Poissonnier and, and you know, whatnot at, at some of the great classic restaurants yeah. where you really had to cut your teeth and, and whatnot. I, I just skipped it. And, and that was a positive and a negative for me. You know, I was like, Oh man, now I have to teach myself. I got to educate. <laughs> I need to travel. I have yeah. to learn, you know, these kind of things. But, so, but I had arrived and was like, okay, yeah. now what are you going to do? And, and, um, so it took me a couple of more years to, to start to piece together the career, work for the right people, learn the business end of it as much. I, I had the business mind, but I needed to kind of put it together with the cooking end of it. Centra yeah, centralize the focus yeah. a little bit. I and get so, that. you know, it took me around. Uh, I think, you know, being at the Little Nell, I have to give, you know, props and shout outs to not only the Crown family, but the whole Little Nell team there because um, starting there, the wine director was Richard Betts, still one of my favorite uh, people on the planet and best friends. <laughs> and um, and he saw something in me. It was like, this guy's different. He, he doesn't just play the game in the same way everybody else plays the game. He wants to think differently. He wants to cook differently. He wants to push the envelope at the time away from some of the fine dining stuff and really back to authentic dining and, right. and you know, really ingredient-focused, vegetable-focused, you know, really technique-focused stuff that, that wasn't just about um, modern cuisine, which was, which was becoming all the rage. Of course. You know, and most people follow the trend. Yeah. Go against the grain. Stick to what you yeah. know. Stick yeah. to yourself. And it, it'll always pull through, yeah. I find. So I was really fortunate at that time to have a, 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 a carte blanche. I had a, a place where there were really no, there, were, there was a checkbook. <laughs> it's like, oh, you need new uh, silverware? Great. Right, whatever you want. You need new china? Great. You know, you need, you want to buy what? Oh, great. Buy that, you know. Is, yeah. 
and and we we did well. Our costs were always really in line, uh, but but it was because they gave me the freedom that I was able to then to do all of that. And right. so, I started the farm independently. I tried to get them to do it for me. They wouldn't. Uh, I started the farm independently because I needed to. I had to. I was I was thirsty for more and. Um, and you know, buying crappy greens from uh, from the distributor in Denver just didn't do it for me. And yeah. so, so we set out um, uh, with a guy by the name of Mike Waters um, to uh, to start a farm. I'd been researching this. I'd written a business plan for it. It was kind of my first business plan uh, really? that I'd ever written. And um, uh, yeah, we bought. Uh, I think at first it was twenty three acres, and then we bought the place next door. Maybe it was 17 acres, and we bought the place next door. We ended up with 38 acres. Wow. And, yeah, we had pigs, and we had 1,000 um, egg-laying hens that we did the whole pasta program with the little nail with yeah. all the, all those eggs. And we had wow. uh, uh, pigs, sheep. Uh, yeah, it was cool, man. It was, it was, it was good. It was, it was some of the great years of my life, I have yeah. to say. Yeah. Special. Fantastic. Yeah. Out of all that, you know, you, you realize you're in the room. You know, you're there. So yeah. going out, like dining, you know, what was that, what was that mm. first time? Um, Sitting down, you recognize that's Chef Ryan Hardy right there. Like, <laughs> like that still doesn't happen, by the way. Here, oh, <laughs> no way, it has to. <laughs> um, you know, it was funny. I um, many years later, I think it was uh, 2011, maybe 2010, maybe yeah. 2010, 2011. Um, here, I had this farm. I was doing good things. I think in terms of just uh, our career and and. I had a, a, just a, 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 a kind of a geyser of talent that was coming up underneath me. Yeah. Not because of me, just like people were just being drawn to it. And, and I think um, that was really special and I felt, I felt it, right? Yeah. So I was thinking about moving to New York City and at the time I, I, um, I started, uh, uh, I took a, kind of a year off. I, I went through a separation and, and, uh, and in that year I, I traveled and I, I really, I went to France, I went to Spain, I went to Italy a few times and, and I just like, I was I was in the little Nell, but I was still kind of taking personal time. Yeah, and um, I started dating my, my now wife Agatha, and I, we came to New York. One of our first dates uh, in New York together, and um, she's like, "Oh, I'm going to take this um, great restaurant just opened that's not too far away from from my apartment." I was like, yeah. "Great!" And um, it was Jean George's new restaurant. And he had opened a farm-to-table restaurant. And oh, I just put my head in my hands and said, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. Like, because yeah. here I am, I own a farm. And, like, we're, yeah. I'm making salami. I'm raising <laughs> pigs. I'm, you know, I'm, like, literally feeding the chickens myself, you know, et cetera. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, Jean-Georges, like, how many restaurants does this guy have around the globe? And he's going to open a farm-to-table restaurant. You know, <laughs> oh, God. And, uh, and we went there. And um, we waited you know, it was so popular. ABC Kitchen was so popular. And I happen yeah. to love design and, and architecture and, and interior design. And so ABC, the store was was one of the pinnacles in New York City of just coolness in, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, interior design. And so I was really pumped this whole thing was coming together. And, and we get there. And this is kind of true to form for my wife and I now is we never have a reservation anywhere. And and so we showed up and they're like, yeah, it's going to be like two hours. And we're like, cool. You know, yeah. we'll just have like a bottle of wine. And yeah. we just kind of hung out in the corner. <laughs> So we got it. Then we waited two hours, and they finally put us at a table, kind of you know, off to the side. And we sit down. And, you know, they come over and pour water first. You know, like come over and uh, pour the water. And and the guy pouring the water goes, Chef Ryan. And I look up, and it was one of my back waiters from the Little Nell. Oh, it was nice. literally had left the Little <laughs> Nell, moved to New York City that yeah. week, and this was his first day on the job. 
And I was like one of the first tables. He's like, Chef Ryan, what are you doing here? Yeah. And so cover was blown, you know, but but at the same time, (laughs) uh, incognito. Yeah, yeah. It's like I just wanted a quiet table in the corner, you know, like on a date. Pour of water. Exactly. (laughs) We didn't make it past the water before that. So they were like, Hang on, we got a better table for you, and they kind of shuffled things around. Yeah. And um, I became uh, good friends with Chef Dan. There, it was it it, to this day is still one of my favorite restaurants in New York City. I love it. And and. Shout out to Jean George and 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 Dan, uh, just 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 killed it. I mean, the food was incredible. Dan's obviously gone on to do his own place, uh, Loring Place, which is also a great restaurant. But yeah, nice. uh, but good days, yeah, fun time. Right. So how does that um? So how's your dining out experience here in the city compared to your when your childhood? Because uh, I know you said you had a very like routine chores. Yeah. Was your was the etiquette your dinner service um, at your house kind of yeah. the same way setting the table. Yeah. Yeah. We, I have to say, I, it's funny cause I've talked to my brothers and sisters since then, you know, you know, I'm, I'm 45. So, you know, 30 years removed, almost 40 years removed from, from those days. And, yeah. and they say, man, you must've had a really different perception than we did, you know, growing up, uh, because I think my memories are just different from theirs. And so we all, it's funny how you like nature kind of, cr- you craft your own personality in your yeah. head and maybe, or you have your own story of what things were, but but yeah, we, we always had dinner together um, as best we could. Um, my mom put dinner on the table at probably 6.30 every single night. And, yeah. and every um, child had to be an active part of the meal. So somebody had to set the table. Somebody had to clear the table. Somebody else had to do the dishes. Somebody had to go to the garden and, and get this stuff. And we each kind of developed a skill. I remember my, my sister Kelly, I think, was like, she was really good at baking these like quick breads. And I think she made omelets. I think that was like her skill. And I was really good at making this like, raspberry danish thing and i was really good at you know making pancakes or you know whatever that's it was good. like so we all had these like cool. skills that were like no, no 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 that's not your skill ryan time for your takeover yeah. and um and that was cool and you know i don't know you like i don't think it was out of like i don't think she my mom or my dad either uh for that matter really meant for that to become it was just part of the daily life and right. everybody had to be a part of it in order to pull this off and so so yeah, it meant something, but we never dined out ever. Really? Um, the, a big night for us was when my dad brought home Long John Silvers. That oh, was like, man, I, I, can agree I love that. Long John Silvers. I haven't yes. had it in years and years and years, but that was a big deal um, yeah. because it was fast food. First of all, it was fried. You know, of course it wasn't the healthiest thing, but also um, just beyond that, it just cost money. And we didn't, we didn't have the money to eat out all the time. Right. So we never ate out. Um, yeah. I can, I don't, I don't know. My mom would probably disagree with me, but. I would say, you know, once, twice a year. Yeah, you know, probably like a, an event, maybe meeting yeah. family or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. That type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, so. I can agree with you. I didn't really start eating out until my mom remarried later on in my life. Yeah. And, you know, the more money was involved. Like, right. My mom was single. She was queen of leftovers. Yeah. She was cooking. We were eating the same thing two or three times. And, and look at you. You end up in culinary school. Exactly. You know what I mean? So going into, let's say, New York, let's see Charlie Bird. Mm. I, I really want to speak about that because I find that's like, in the modern modern era, yeah. the most attention is on that place. If yeah, I talk to anybody, thanks. I mentioned Legacy, there's like, oh, where? And I, I tell them, to, oh, okay. I say Charlie Bird, and they go, I got it. I got okay, it, yeah. I got yeah. it. Any, pretty much anybody I can talk to. Yeah. So going into that, you know, even who you are prefer, before, what was your original vision going yeah. in? And, like, how did it change? And, like, what affected those changes to lead you to pretty much to this point? Wow. Um, I, I moved to New York because I wanted something different. Um I, uh, my partner at the time was Robert Bohr and, and Robert and I had both worked in these fine dining restaurants, right. With giant wine lists. And, yeah. 
and I think everybody expected that we would do something kind of fancier and, and we'd have um, a big wine list and, you know, and whatnot. And what, what, uh, what we both really wanted um, from an experience, but what I really wanted from a food experience was exactly the opposite. I wanted a place where I wanted, I, at the time I really felt like the pendulum was swinging. Um, I wanted to go away from the James Beard restaurants and the cover of Food and Wine magazine and, and the Michelin stars that were being rolled out. And whatnot. Right. I was like, man, I don't want any part of that. I wanted to be the avant-garde. I wanted to be the, the antithesis of that. I wanted to be the jazz player to rock and roll, right? right. <laughs> and um, I was in love with New York City. I, had, I always say I had an affair with New York City. No matter where I was, when I came back to New York, I felt like I could become the person I wanted to be. Right. Agreed. You know? Yeah. And so I had this um, this this vision that we would cook food that would be excellent ingredients, but it was going to go on really kind of crappy plates, you know, like intentionally that, that, right. that it was just, it was going to be really stripped down to where you'd be like, damn, this is, this is great, you know, but you didn't have to pay up for that experience. Right. And at the same time, we really wanted to drink out of great wine glasses and have great wine and, and take all the experience that we had but not, you know, do the opposite, not put it into, into fine dining and white tablecloths and do right. the opposite and make it really just fun and, yeah. um, and cool. At the time, my favorite restaurants were not um, the, the top-ranked restaurants in New York City. They were not the big box restaurants, if you will. Right. Um, they were not the best restaurateurs that you knew of. Instead, they were the, you know, Franny's in Brooklyn that I just mm -hmm. shout out. I can't even tell you. If I had all the money back that I spent at Franny's over the four or five years that I ate there, yeah. I could put both my kids through college. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, how did I spend $1,000 on pizza? Yeah, that, that you know, place but, must uh, be good. Man, I loved it. I loved it. it I thought they were really doing uh, incredible things at the time. But you know why? They... They were doing something different. Yeah. yeah, it was pizza, it was Italian food, it was pasta, you know, et cetera. But it was super. It was it was really, really great. And and there was a handful of other restaurants. Mary's Fish Camp, I thought, was just so cool because it was just irreverent. And and I think at at the heart of it, I was always a smart ass. And and I, I was always like, I didn't want to do what everyone else wanted to do. Yeah. I wanted to do something different that was my own. And and so Charlie Bird really stemmed out of that. And and for whatever reason we hit a nerve, um, I think in the city, but but just with my team, you know, with our families, you know, et cetera, was that it was uh, it was the first of its kind. And so when we opened it, um, the idea was it was kind of Mediterranean, you know, it was definitely very Italian influenced yeah. uh, food. The wine list was much more kind of uh, uh, French focused with some Italian kind of spotted in. Yeah. And Robert was in the front of house. I was in the back of house. We built the whole thing literally with our hands and, yeah. and we had one builder. Uh, this guy came in and built the whole thing. I mean, it was just, it was just cool. And yeah, so it was, cool. it was very organic in its approach. Yeah. Um, I was going to, um, thrift shops and antique shops in Brooklyn and, and in, you know, Queens and stuff to find, like, I want, I want these two lights, but I don't want them to feel like they've been here forever. And so I would go find these things and bring them back. Wow. And I found this old antique birdcage in a, in a store on, I think it was, it's like in East village on like maybe 12th street, 11th street. And, um, uh, and I had a neon sign made inside of a birdcage. Like, you know, these, these little things, like you just couldn't go out and buy it. And I felt like so yeah. much of New York City was built in a design studio on a whiteboard and people put it together and then they handed over papers to say, this is going to be your restaurant. Yeah. And people bought it. And, and so you walked into these restaurants and you're like, you just kind of looked up and you're like, oh, okay. You built a Tuscan <laughs> restaurant with Tuscan beams in the ceiling. It just didn't, it just didn't. It did, they were awesome, great restaurants, but they didn't vibe with me. And, right. and I wanted something that was, that was, you know, more real. 
And, you know, the, the music theme really came out of that because when we were building it and, and we were there every day, I was down in the kitchen. It was a terrible kitchen, um, <laughs> which we really later rebuilt. Yeah, you, and, you showed uh, me the... Uh, yeah, 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 the before and after. Yeah, yeah, before yeah it was nuts. <laughs> and um, we were down there, and we were listening to old hip-hop. It was, yeah. like, fun to listen to, you know, great old stuff, listen to Wu-Tang, listen to Run DMC, like, taking yeah. it all the way back, you know, and just, like, you know, Sugar Hill Gang. Like, all this is kind of, like, crazy. Just one in there. Yeah, no yeah, problem. just, like, because Robert and I are the same age, and but we put it together in a way that was just kind of fun, you know, this whole restaurant. And then... The day that we were about to open, the night before, I said, "Man, you know what? It's funny. We never talked about what are we gonna, what music are we gonna play. We put on these like great speakers, and and we put in more than we could afford in terms of a sound system. Anyway, we ended up playing hip hop, and it was like, look, man, we're gonna play what we've been doing this whole time. We built this restaurant. Listening to this, this is what this is who we are, and we both love it. Don't deny yeah. that. Let's just do it. And so we played it loud and proud, you know, going forward, and and um, and we both felt like I felt like an outsider. And Robert was, has, you know, he grew up in New Jersey. He's never been, he is a New Yorker, but he's never been a New Yorker, right? right? You know, and so if you're not born here, suddenly people have a chip on their shoulder against you, you know, it's like, like whatever. Yeah. And so I think all of us, we, each of us had our own kind of um, outlook on it. And and, um, and it just kind of clicked. I think people got it. And this idea of like, well, this place is like a party. Yeah. And um, what we hit on and, and what we always kind of um, believed in was that, if you create something that isn't about any one thing, it wasn't a, it wasn't about the wine, it wasn't about the food, it wasn't about the music, it was about the sum of the parts being more. Right. So that people had multiple things to come for. So some people would come and be like, no, man, the food is just great. You're going to love it. It's all these kind of like, you know, you can have a ton of share plates or you can have your own individual yes. pasta yeah. or you can, you know, whatever. But this this guy's like, you know, really pushing the, the, the envelope just kind of in the wrong direction. Like I was going, you know, the opposite of what everybody else was doing. I wasn't trying to recreate a dish to something they'd never seen before. Right. I was trying to take the dishes that they knew and loved and make them great, you know. Right. And uh, and so people would come for the food or they would come for the wine or they were coming in because they love music and they sat at the bar and just like, you know, we had we had suddenly major artists that were showing up. I was like, you know, Robert, come upstairs and he'd be like, hey, yo, Nas is sitting on table 30. I'd be like. Yeah. <laughs> Nas is sitting on table 30 yeah. are you kidding me like, yeah. and it would blow me away that that you know these these people were were coming in and they weren't coming in because they were friends of somebody else and they got a reservation they just came and organically yeah. organically and, and I, I was so impressed by that I find no other music you can play in a restaurant it's like hip-hop you're in yeah. New York you can play hip-hop you know yeah everybody's going to be down for that. But yeah. I guess at the time it was maybe a little against the grain. It was because very, it was like play September, play all me the, you know, play yeah. the Michael Jackson, play all <laughs> exactly. the hits for the top 40 yeah. from the eighties, nineties. Yeah. Keep them coming. Cause that's all people know. Yeah. They're friendly. Yeah. They're not in your face. You don't, you know, but now that the hip hop's there. Yeah. And you realize it's not that bad, even though they are cursing. And like, I remember at legacy. And I was like, oh, this music, it's kind of, Kind of foul. That's I like, know. Well, that's what yes. kind of, it's kind of amazing. What we do. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Well, how's the food?" They're like, "Great." Like, how's yeah. the wine? Like, great. I was like, "Yeah, perfect." You yeah. know, I think uh, <laughs> one of the things that I really uh, loved in life is we became really good friends um, uh, with a gallery owner by the name of Jeff Lee, who's just brilliant beyond yeah, brilliant. I spoke with Jeff yeah, he's so just, he's yeah. an extraordinary person. Shout out to you, Jeff. Yeah. And um, uh, he's part of the Ryan Lee Gallery. He and his, his partner Mary, and they. they they he really opened up my eyes um we had been to a ton of shows and we had been to, you know we've been in the art world just as fans for for a fair amount of years yeah. agatha and i but but um but getting some of that stuff like peeling the curtain back and, and being introduced to some of these artists and being introduced to the world of art 
was really extraordinary to me. And um, I had never, I had never been in that room. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, right. In the room where it happened, if you will. And and so I was like, wow, this is, this is extraordinary. And so I think that um, because I'm not a New Yorker, taking an outsider's look at what New York culture was to yeah. create Charlie Bird, I think was um, one of the, one of the few perspectives you can take because it's yeah. almost like if you're too much in there, you know, it's, it's like it's, you're too, you're too in it. Yeah. But the hip hop was, uh, you wrote was, the line. Yeah. We yeah. wrote the line. Hip hop was, was not unique. Other restaurants were playing hip hop. In fact, I think actually, um, ABC kitchen was actually playing hip hop, but everybody played right. it a little reserved, you know, a little quieter. Like Radio you said, they, they, edits, they, yeah. they edited it and they made sure there was nothing that was too outlandish. We played, I remember the third day I can still picture it. I'm standing, I go up to like, you know, middle of service, the place is bumping, you know, et cetera. And it was, um, um, Wu Tang, I think it's, uh, what is it? Uh, meth for chef came on. And I don't know for all you listeners out there, if you remember the beginning of that, uh, is a, a little dialogue between the two. And I just, I looked across the bar and Robert just kind of cracked up and I was like, are, are, is anybody listening to this? I mean, this is, this is beyond foul. This is, this is, this is like pornographic. Like this is nuts, Smacking man. Yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> and we just kind of, you know, like smiled and nodded, and people ate it up. And you know, now we we actually avoid that song. And and you know, a few other songs we like. Yeah. We really try and edit down so people, you know, we don't want to offend people. But um, but I think that that part. The reason I mentioned the art thing is that art is meant to cause emotion. Yes. And yeah. so people feel uncomfortable in certain pieces of art. In fact, it was a very big part of our review at legacy records you know the reviewer felt uncomfortable in front of the art which is his loss and and quite honestly pete wells if you're listening out there um really an uneducated piece of literature that he wrote for that i mean really really uneducated but um but he gave us great props on the food and the wine and you know etc thanks pete but um uh (laughs) but i think that idea is it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable and i think if uh if the music uh stirs emotion in you um then good that's good. That's what jazz did, right? That was the basis of jazz. Like people revolted against jazz when it was uh, when it was taking over America. And yeah. you know, jazz is America's gift to the music world. Look I mean, at it's, it now. It's a big, big, big deal. Yeah, without so. jazz, you have no hip hop. Without no, you know, no. so no. huge, huge. <laughs> you know? So you also, um, I remember reading up saying that um, Charlie Bird had a difficult time getting off the ground with like, yeah. finding people to help cook. So oh. Agatha's oh. mother came in nobody. and built that culture of like yeah. give a familial feel to it. Because I guess people probably thought, you know, hey, you're not a New Yorker. Yeah. You're here, say, for lack of a better term, capitalizing on New York. And people are not seeing, they thought you're just here for money. And they yeah. see Agatha's mother step in and making the pasta from, with their bare hands. Yeah. I, I don't know, was she coming in super early to yeah. get that done? Yeah, she, she would come in twice a day sometimes. But the, 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 um, the, not being a New Yorker was a really big thing. I think it's less so now. I think people are more understanding. The world has, has become much more international, you know, I think over the last 10 years. But um, if you if you didn't have at least two or three jobs in New York prior to moving to New York, people thought you were a fraud. Wow. And so they would say, where were you before this? That's the first question I got all the time. And, and I'd be like, dude, I... I just opened my own restaurant. Like what difference does it matter where I was? You're yeah. sitting in it now. Like, and they wanted to know that you had worked for somebody who had respect. And right. so therefore they could give you that respect. Like mm-hmm. you were a ment- mentee of somebody. And because I had um, been out of that side of it for so long, I mean, I, I you know, I had been 
10, 15 years since I had been underneath somebody, uh, I didn't have a resume that was great for the media. I didn't have a resume that was great for the cooks. I didn't have a resume that was, that was, you know, yeah. great for the diners, et cetera. And so that was, um, that was a real, uh, negative, you know, for us, uh, kind of and getting started. And I had to find my feet. I, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> if, if Robert and, 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 uh, and some of our family were sitting here right now, they'd laugh at this because the food was lousy, you know, really? in the very beginning. Cause wow. we were like those first three days, it was hard. You know, we were, we didn't have any cooks. We were trying like hell to just to get through a service time. We were prepping, you know, et cetera. And we had to get smarter. And so yeah. about three days in, it was like, we changed the menu and then we changed the menu and then we changed, you know, it's, so we just kind of like kept evolving it. But yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't get, um, cooks because people didn't know who they were. They, it was, they wanted to go work for the names that were out there and it was incredibly difficult to, to find people. So, so yeah, we had um, uh, both my my wife. Uh, we got married just after we opened Charlie Bird. Um, thank God. I had to ask her to timing. get engaged yeah. prior to opening because I figured if this goes bad, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't want to lose the restaurant and the girl. Yeah. And um, uh, her family just has incredible food culture. You know, she she grew up between Italy and, and the U.S. and her parents are both uh, from Italy. And so I think the idea of um, having the family come in was really out of necessity because we were just working, you know, 20 hours a day. Yeah. We, were just, we would stay up until two, three in the morning, making pasta. We'd go That's home, intense. we'd come back at, at seven, eight in the morning, just to like, okay, we got to get ahead, you know? And, um, uh, so yeah, Rosa came in, um, Ollie, by the way, my father-in-law, Agatha's dad, uh, uh, runs a metal working shop, did all the metal for the restaurant. Really? Um, you know, all the outdoor dining, you know, pieces, every piece of metal in the restaurant was, was done by him at Pasquale Jones as well. And, um, and so it was a real familial thing. I had to really lean on family at that yeah. point. And, and so, yeah, Rosa came every day, made gnocchi. She made pasta with me. Um, so did Agatha. Agatha would come in too, put really? the hat on, oh. put the apron on, you know, she was there. She busy. famously came in in the middle of service one night. She was having dinner upstairs and I didn't have, I was so busy. I didn't have a chance to go say hi yet. And she kept saying, hey, can Ryan come say hi to my friends? You know? And, um, and we had run out of gnocchi, which is the signature dish at, at Charlie Bird at the time with yeah. the Ferro salad. And I was in the back furiously making gnocchi. And she came down. She had a beautiful dress on and high heels. And she comes downstairs and she's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm, yeah, I'm like, the board's full of tickets. I'm like, you know, people are everywhere. <laughs> and she puts an apron on. She takes over. She's like, nice. washes her hand, puts a hat on. You know, she goes to work. And and that's that's what it takes. It takes, yeah. it takes guts. It takes determination. But you need help. Um, right. in the process and so and that's love um, above all you know yeah I feel like most yeah. people still kick yeah. back exactly you know that, that seems yeah. it's organic right. you know and I think it, it, we can't be too um, afraid we can't put our ego on the line you have to be able to say I need help and yeah. and so thank God we, we had that yeah that's, that's good <laughs> so I, I, you know once you got comfortable like things were flowing yeah it's like maybe like you're you're four or five or um, no you're three you decided to take one of the projects what what made you comfortable to, to do Pasquale? Yeah. You and know, even then, what made you comfortable? I heard, <laughs> I heard some stories about Pasquale. Yeah. And so even more stories about legacy. So yeah. when, when did you find those comfortability zones to you know, go horizontal, like you right. said, and then also work vertically? You know, I, I, think, I think every uh, – I think authors in general, um, artists, authors, you know, anybody who's got a creative mind, you have a voice inside of you that kind of guides you uh, yeah. and drives you. And – um, you could say the same about athletes. I think just about everybody has, it just depends on what frequency you're in on. And, and so I, I, 
I was hooked. Once I opened the farm, I was hooked on on being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And the great irony is that the guy that I was partners with in the farm, Mike, um, was a serial entrepreneur. He had opened, you know, he invented the uh, self-cleaning litter box and the oh, and really? the and the like. Uh, what's it called? Like the invisible fence for pets and this kind of thing. So like the guy was like, he would constantly inventing new, new businesses. Yeah. And so I learned a ton from him. And I remember one night at dinner asking him, I said, how do you, how do you do it? How do you start a new business? Well, I, I, I get it. I write the business plan. I get the whole thing, but how do you do it? When, when does it start? And he looked at me and he laughed and he said, it, you just do it. You just get up tomorrow. And suddenly that's what you're doing. You put 25 bucks in a checking account and you're in business. That's yeah. it. There's no magical switch that, that gets done in a design room, right? Yeah. So, um, so I think that we, uh, I knew almost immediately after we launched Charlie Bird, it was a little rocky for about, I don't know, probably two months, um, and uh, maybe not even that long, but we, we kind of hit it by midsummer, we were in good stride. And so we opened, I think it was June 4th, um, 2013, and, and I, I'll never forget, it was, uh, it was the holidays, it was, I think it was Christmas week, um, I sat on table one at Charlie Bird, mm-hmm. and uh, and a place around the corner that was really great had closed. It was a great bar had closed, and I was like, "We're gonna take that spot, and we're gonna do a pizzeria there." And everybody at the table was like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. I was like, "Staff there, they're like, yeah, that's amazing." I was like, "We're gonna do," and because I had love for all these great pizzerias, yeah. um, in, you know, A twenty four and in San Francisco, Franny's. I was I was in love with all the different pizzerias around the city, and I'd spent so much time in Italy. You know, eating eating lots and lots of that kind of stuff, focaccia and pizza and bread and those kind yeah. of things. And I was like, I, oh, we have a voice. We have an opinion on this, and I think yeah. we could do something cool. Why isn't there great pizza and wine in New York City? There wasn't. Marta wasn't open at the time. Certainly not Martina. Um, there, there really wasn't. There were a lot of great pizzerias out there, you know, with but all the respect. The but they weren't doing it. Side, and, yeah. and, and, the, and the great places in Brooklyn um, that still do great pizza didn't have great wine programs. And you couldn't get red wine that was the right temperature. Or they didn't have great glassware. They'd serve between a tumbler or those kind of things. And yeah. so, which is cool. And, it was, and that was fun. But if you really wanted a great bottle of wine and you wanted to eat pizza and you know have fun with it, where did you go? And so that was that was the idea. And so it was six months after we opened Charlie Bird, we kind of laid the plans to start that. And it took us a couple of years wow, to find a spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, 2013. Awesome. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we opened it in 2015. Yeah. And uh, and so it 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 took time. And, and you know the, the the irony of it is that we actually started planning legacy before we even opened Pasquale Jones. No way. We were. We were on the hook for this space and this building uh, then, and it took us—I mean, it took us three years to build this place. Yeah. And so we were in meetings before we even finished Pasquale wow. Jones. Yeah, I remember January of that year being in meetings. Uh, and in the operations Midtown. team wasn't even as close as we didn't have an operations team. Yeah, like, that was it. <laughs> like, it was like Robert was wow. running wine, Grant was running wine uh, at the time, and uh, um, and and we had a bookkeeper, and that was all. So we were just—we were really running around, you know, Man, planning that's a stuff. Lot. So yeah, so Pasquale Jones was uh, w- was fun, and you know we we uh, we found a great chef um, uh, in the process, and and uh, we put together a really great team. But opening that was oh my god, I mean it was just crazy. It was behind schedule, and we had all these parties booked in the holidays, and you know we like pulled it off. Our first night, the wood ovens weren't hooked up. Oh man! And so we put a candle inside the wood ovens to make them look like they were glowing. <laughs> 
Half of us are We apologized. We're like, hey, by the way, there's no pizza tonight. We're just doing some other stuff. And so we did like, you know, cool pasta, you know, roast dinner. Made this really cool stuff. But we don't have it. Yeah. And and so we did it. And we did it. You know, we had a bunch of friends' parties booked in the holidays. And we were really lucky and felt great doing it. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Nice. That's super cool. Yeah. Well, you know. It's amazing just to, just to hear the story. You know, <laughs> you hear from different sides, but to hear yeah. from the source is incredible. And I think on that note, it's a perfect time to to go to our intermission. Cool. Yeah. Well, you know, we can do what we do. Let the wine sit down. I love it. Probably I love it. Get another splash. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Cool. So we'll be back in a couple minutes. Um, and we also have a couple words from our sponsors as well. Be back. Thank you. The wine enjoyed on this episode was provided by Parcel Wine Shop, a curated wine shop and online retailer with nationwide shipping curated by a team of New York's finest sommeliers. Located at 511 West 38th Street in Hudson Yards, New York City. Subscribe to Parcel's Wine Drop, a new delivery service featuring three hand-selected bottles for $95 per month. Parcel, wine for every scenario. Hey everyone, I hope you are all staying safe and healthy out there. The world right now is a scary place, and I truly believe that everyone should be taking the necessary precautions. In a city like New York, delivery services are literally saving lives. And here at Hot Plates and Grapes, we try to do our part to help as well. Instacart is an online delivery service where you can have a large range of produce, groceries, yes, even wine brought right to your door. Personally, I use it very frequently, and you would love how easy and convenient it is to use. So follow the link in our description box or go to Instagram and click our link tree to start shopping today. And remember, tip your delivery person and stay safe, everyone. Thank you. All right, and we're back. This is the Hot Plates and Grapes podcast. I'm Aaron Mays. I once again have executive chef Ryan Hardy with me. And we had some great conversations about, you know, the grassroots story, you know, how dissecting these great accomplishments he's had yeah. and how to get to where Thank he is you. today. But let's speak about more specifically New York and yeah. how that features in your career. So you did mention that New York City's architecture, art, you know, and design plays a huge role in your inspiration. Um, is it why you came to New York City specifically, or did you, like once again were you chasing the opportunity to be in the same realm as all these great chefs in New York at the time? You know, I think early in my life, um, I would have said the latter. I, I think I wanted to be uh, in the conversation. You know, I, I, I think that was important to me. And what what really drove me to New York was. Um, was that love of art and design and music and culture um, in, overall. Yeah. If, if someone had coached me early on in my life, I probably wouldn't have ended up doing what I do now. I, I would have ended up as an architect or I would have ended up in design in some capacity, you yeah. know, some, something like that, because I just, I just truly love graphic design and architectural design, interior design, <clears throat> all those things, and just engineering in general. I just love it. My... my uh, I get excited, you know. I walk into an architectural studio, yeah. and I get really pumped. I, I was really drawn to New York for that, and I think that th the idea of um, of being in and amongst all these other people who had similar likes to me was really um, uh, enthralling. It, it, mm -hmm. it became more powerful to me than just the the drive for food. And so I have to say that I think um, who I am now. I, I'm as much in love with that as I am with food and, nice. and, and hospitality. And I, I, what I love about what we do for a living is that all these things blend together. Exactly. And so, um, 
you know, the, the New York that I know and love now is, is, um, less about the gritty part of New York that I moved here for and fell in love with, right. you know, 10 plus years ago. It, it is a bit of a Phoenix, you know, kind of coming, coming out. And so, so I'm, I'm impressed. I'm, 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 uh, I'm excited about, you know, doing more projects um, yeah. in, in the future because I love that part of it, you know, kind of the art and design, you know, uh, segment of it. So, right. so, I, I came to New York for that. I came because I was inspired by so much of it. It's, it's, how do you, how do you, if you don't grow up here, if you've never seen New York City and you come into the city, you come across the George Washington Bridge on a sunny day and you see the city, yeah. it's, it, it is awe-inspiring right. in a way that, that so many of us who spend time here, just, we just take it for granted. You know, yeah. you, uh, you, you see the Statue of Liberty out there in the water. You're like, oh my God, this, this thing actually existed. And then I wanted to be that. I wanted yeah. to be here. I wanted to be part of it. I wanted to leave my mark. I wanted to, to set a stone, you know, if yeah. you will, in the city. And so, so that's, I think, maybe it's been my driving force. I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. You know, my mother's from Mount Vernon. Yeah. So, so she's, I would come here so often to see my grandmother and a lot of family. Every three months I was here. And I... Like you said, going over the GW Bridge, yeah. crossing in, sunny day. Uh, incredible. We'll either go, we usually go under, we don't, <laughs> don't want to get stuck in traffic, it's usually an accident. Right. But getting through and going through those loops and just seeing the city, I was like, wow, I have to be here. Yeah. Then my grandmother passed, it was a little more scarce. Yeah. But it just still always pulled me. Yeah. And I knew, you know, I was in Virginia Beach and I was like, what am I going to do? My lease was up and I was like, I got to go somewhere, I need to go somewhere. And I was like, I know a place that has been calling me since day one. Yeah. And I know I want to be a, a mogul in this industry. And I'm like, I'm not going to go to Chicago. I'm not going to go to right. Vegas and try to do that. Like, you have to yeah. go to New York. You have to like, go like to you York. said, like, San Francisco's doing great things. But New York, above all, to me, is just like, it's the mecca of, of food in the industry. Yeah, I think it is. And I, I mean, I, I, with all due respect to so much what's going on around the world, and I, I haven't traveled to every corner of the world, but, but I think New York is, at the very least, in the conversation, if not the conversation about it's the, it's still the capital it's still yeah. the financial capital it's still the the art capital it's still the um uh food capital it's still it's so many things and and there are so many other great cities out there that that certainly rival it maybe even surpass it but but i'm a i'm a buyer like i'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a buyer on new york and and i 100%. think that that's what uh, what I love about new york is just, just there's there's no ceilings it's it you just keep going yeah I'm, I totally agree with you on yeah. that one. In reference to the hospitality industry yeah. in New York, is it the diversity of cuisine, the expertise, the fact that you can go to Jackson Heights and be in a full Desi community and yeah. then go to Red Hook and be in a different community and then yeah. go to Crown Heights and be in like a Caribbean community? Is that <laughs> something that like kind of keeps you here because you can pretty much travel the world within... It's incredible. You know, a 30-minute train incredible. Yeah. Um, I love because I live in Manhattan and, and I, I spend most of my time downtown because the restaurants obviously are, you know, 38th Street, like it or not, is still downtown relative to the size of Manhattan. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and uh, um, I spend a lot of time in Chinatown. I love it. Yeah. Um, my wife and I go out there, you know, semi-frequently when, when the world was normal. And um, and so, yeah, I love to be able to travel the globe uh, in, in New York. I think that's really incredible. Yeah. The hospitality side of it, and I think, this is a kind of a special moment is a few years ago I was, I was at an event and I was actually um, uh, speaking with, with Danny Meyer about this and, and uh, Danny was doing a panel and, and we were talking about, he did a panel on what hospitality is and, and uh, kind of all the things that he uses to help define it for his staff. And I, I told him, I was like, you know what I think hospitality is, is it's everything that can't be Instagrammed. 
that's hospitality, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's all of the intangibles that we can't put our finger on. It's not the table. It's how we serve the table. It's not the, um, it's not the wine. It's the, it's the environment around it that allows that to, to exist. Right? right. If I put blaring sirens in your ear and said, drink this wine, it doesn't matter whether it's five, five bucks or 500 bucks, right? Yeah. It's not going to be enjoyable. It's yeah. like, it has to be in an environment. Yeah. And so I think more than ever right now in New York City, um, all of that stuff, it removes the color of your skin. It removes the gender. It removes so much because it's, it's not about the physicality. It's about the spirit that you bring to it. Yeah. It's about the energy. It's about the, the smile. It, it's about everything else that, that isn't the physical you. Yeah. Um, and so it's about being selfless. And I think um, you know one of the things that I... I'm most excited about in our business right now is, is as much as we have going on trying to come out of COVID yeah. is um, the team members who we do have with us um, and the collaborations that we're doing, you know, therein. And, you know, we just, um, we just hired uh, a guy by the name of um, Adam Leonti is just an incredible chef. Yeah. And, um, and Dave Metz who's been with us for, for a long time are, are, are two let's guys. Go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> let's go Metz. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, Dave really is our operations chef. He really makes things happen behind the scenes. I mean, this, yeah. this guy just works his heart out every day. He's extraordinary. And, and Adam is, is just a genius of, uh, of culinary stuff. And so we've brought him on as the director of culinary to really help us run each kitchen and really be the, the kind of creative force as I step up into more of a kind of a CEO role. Right. And one of the things that, that I really wanted to do as we reformulate our restaurants coming out is we have to, we have to uh, talk about in the very beginning of the podcast is, is rewrite the mission, Yeah. you know, rewrite our focal point and, yeah. and understand clean slate. And, clean slate and understand what that is. And so, um, Whereas the mission statement when I first started Charlie Bird was probably like serve great food, drink great wine, listen to great music, you know, like just really basic, simple kind of thing. Yeah. Now it's about so much more than that. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of refining what, what, what we're doing. Um, but it's, it's, you know, dream big, serve compassionately. Yeah. And I like that. my goal is to get all of our employees, past employees, people who are in the neighborhood who just like the restaurant, you know, to yeah. be inspired by that and to remove the barriers, dream big, do things, go out of your comfort zone. Um, you know, do what it is that you really want to do in life, right. you know, follow that. And so I think that, um, where we are now in our industry has changed significantly from, from the reason I came to New York. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really great thing, um, to be able to, to, to collaborate and to, to go to a guy like Adam and be like, man, you are incredible. You're doing great things. Like come work with us, come work with me. Let's do something together. Let's collaborate on, yeah. on some stuff. Let's do some projects together. And so, right. so we're really excited about that. And, and the things that, that we can create, um, as a team, you know, when you right. kind of remove some of those barriers and say, it's not about the food, it's not about the wine. It's about this, this compassion it's that becomes so you, much more. Yeah. That you really want to do something, you know, more for, for everybody. And so it's selfless. I think that's that's the goal is that um, every when everyone wins, everyone wins. Right. Right. Yes. And I think that's, uh, that's I like that concept a lot more than yeah. one person winning and everybody <laughs> else hates the guy who is winning. Yeah, well, this, this goes back to like, oh, let's put your in. face on the cover of a magazine and make you super famous. And then the ego gets involved. And then, you know, it's about that one person. Right. And, you know, but I think that at the core you have to teach people to be good people yeah. and, and through education and a whole bunch of other things. But I think in some small way, hospitality, it, that's what it's guiding. That's yeah. what it's hoping for. It's a furthering education to, 
to put other people first. Yeah. And if you can do that and, and, and kind of soothe the ego in a sense and, and say, look, I, um, I'm not going to try and control your life. I'm going to try and help your life. I'm going to try and make you, um, uh, have a good time yeah. and, and remove barriers, you know, for you. And so that's our guiding principle right now. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's what I'm most excited about right now in New York. I'm excited just as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to hear Yeah. Craziest, best, outlandish New York experience. Ooh. I know you've been grinding since the minute you pretty much walked through New York, but you've <laughs> had to have some times. I've heard about some holiday parties with um, good old Jay and Bay. Maybe it's right. a couple, <laughs> a couple you can release if, if you're legally <laughs> able to. <laughs> you know, man, that's interesting. That's a great question. Um, we've had some, we've had some wild times. I mean, I'll be honest. I've, uh, I've made scrambled eggs on a private jet in a microwave, you know, with black truffles and you put black uh, truffles in the microwave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to, you got nowhere to cook up there. You're gonna be like, okay, I'm going to take it out scramble and, you know, put it back. Um, I've done, uh, I've done some pretty wild things, you know, yeah. through some holiday parties. Certainly as we've come to New York, we've drank some incredible, incredible, incredible wines along the way. Um, and eaten some really great food. I, I, it's, it's hard for me to put a finger honestly on, on any one thing that's like a top moment. Yeah. This is going to sound maybe the anti of that, but as as you know, I'm always trying to go against that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a pretty quiet person. I'm a pretty private person, yeah. you know, personally, and so I I tend to stay as much as I think social media has changed the world um, for good and for bad. You know, I think it's incredible, and we're actually um, partnering with a with a social media company uh, to do our next project in, in cool. Bumble. Shout out to Bumble. But um, but I think the I stay off of social media a lot, um, yeah. and, and I because I believe that your actions uh, should be what lead people, not necessarily your loud voice. Right. And so with that, the maybe my most memorable experience is one July Fourth, uh, maybe it was two thousand fourteen or fifteen. We always close on every holiday. We try to I loved at, it. At, at DHG, right? We loved try and close it. the major holidays. Sometimes we can't, depending on which day of the week it is. But yeah. We try to. And um, um, I took my wife to Charlie Bird, unlocked the place, turned the lights on, and um, I went and made her an omelet and just made her like a perfect omelet. We had a little salad, a little omelet, and we just sat at a table by ourselves, put some music on, yeah. lit a candle, had dinner, and then we went up on the roof and watched the fireworks. And, nice. and to have that ability um in new york city to have that privacy to be able to yeah. have that exclusivity yeah. is worth more to me than um partying with a celebrity or you know having you know the vmas all show up at at Pisquale jones after the words and yeah. be like oh my god like who, yeah. who, which kardashian you know like, yeah. <laughs> they did what you know kind of thing. and uh <laughs> You know, those kind of things are, are extraordinary and they're fun and, you know, those kind of things. But but I have to say, because of my personality and, and you know, who I am, I really, really, really cherish that private time. And, yeah. and so that's, you know, one of the most memorable things to me. It's harder to do now. You know, the restaurants kind of stay open. It's a little right. bit more of a challenge uh, to do. And so so I... I um, I would say that's 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 one of my favorites. That's, that sounds good to me. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that because the city could be so loud, oh, so in your man. face. But to have an, yeah. an opportunity to be, especially in the space yeah. where there's lots of seats, but it's just you. Yeah. yeah. Rooftop fireworks, just you know, you and right. your lady. Right. Priceless. You can't go wrong Priceless. with that. You know. I think 
you, you have to be appreciative of those moments when you get to party, you know, with the stars and you're just like, oh, I can't even believe the night that I just had. You mentally take those snapshots. Right. But the but the ones that maybe are, are the most impactful are, you know, when you can kind of take a, a, a backward look and yeah. maturity and say, like, these are the ones you're going to take with you later in life. Right. You know? Ones you look back on. Yeah. Like when you said when you're 70, 80. Exactly. <laughs> just like. Reflecting on yeah, life, maybe. That one stuck with me a lot more than yeah. taking shots in, the <laughs> yeah. in Mother's Ruin at, <laughs> at 1.30 in the morning. That's right. Yeah. Ooh, I remember that one. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> that was my. So that was and my, the shots just kept showing up that night. It just kept, I don't even know where. I don't even know if anybody paid for them. You know? I have it's no like idea the, what happened. Yeah. I just know I got home safely. <laughs> I turned around. So, so um, what do you, out of all this, hate to get like serious again, but yeah. it's like I do want to see like, kind of where your head's at when it, when you feel like you're. What are you bringing to the table? I know you say you're a little more personal. You're a little more on the business side. You're focused. You're really into like yeah. communal base. Is it your that mindset or that approach that's going to keep you in a different lane from everybody else? Like, will you see yourself maybe being recognized in the same lane as Danny Meyer? Danny Meyer created, when we were in school, he was pretty much like the Bible. Like, you, you read his stuff. Yeah. Do you want to get to that point? He still that, is. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he, he still is. Um, listen, I think that it's, he's a once in a lifetime. I mean, there's been several others that are in great restaurateurs. You know, Jean-Georges, yeah. I got to throw him out there. Daniel Balud, you know, incredible right, right. Uh, people, le- just legends. And, um, uh, and many others that, you know, too, too numerous to name. But, yeah. but I, I think, um, for me, I could, I don't, I can't even imagine my name in the same conversation as yeah. Danny, you know, obviously, or, or DHG's name in the same conversation as his group, you know, but but I think what I'm most excited about is just is really staying hungry, you know, really stay stay thirsty for for the for that hospitality, for that passion, for yeah. for for what your staff gives you because they give you so much energy. Yeah, I think that we're going to continue to push um, our brands and um, and really try and create an environment for people to um, to grow. Yeah. I think that's the hard, hardest thing in our industry is. The rap on an industry is that it's been a very difficult um, environment to work and survive, particularly if you're a woman, uh, particularly if you're if you're someone of a minority or, or um, uh, of color. Yeah, where so you get to do double. You got to do double the work just to right? be in the same That's position as somebody who's doing stupid, and it's so antiquated. Yeah. And we, I mean, it Story just seems life, so. It seems so <laughs> dumb to yeah. me, and I and I, I just feel like um, I'm. I'm excited by the people who we are working with. You know, our whole executive team is all just great women, um, which has been really uh, amazing. And I think that um, the knock has always been that that the hospitality industry kind of burns up people's youth, right? So yeah. 10 years go by, you didn't become the actor you hoped to be. You didn't go to graduate school. You didn't, you know, complete your doctorate or, you know, whatever it is. And suddenly you're in your mid thirties or you're 40. All of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, what else am I going to do now? I can't start a career now. And so I think that's been the knock for years. Um, everything else aside. <laughs> and, uh, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother hashtag. <laughs> but, um, but I think, uh, what I set out to do, what I am setting out to do. And I think what, what other people, I think the real genius of, of people like Danny and, and people like that was they created opportunity. They created um, opportunity for people. Just they said, you know, you're a great person. I'm going to create a, a space for you in the business, and, and and this is how we're going to expand it. And so, um, 
I think opportunity comes in multiple ways, but but one of the things that I really want is I want everyone to benefit from the success of, of any business. Right? Yeah. If you go to work at at, at uh, some IT brand, you get shares of stock, and then as the business does well, you do really well. And right. if you leave that company, you still have the stock. Like you still have something in it for all those years you put into it. And so. That's something that I'm really curious about doing is changing the model of the restaurant business as we know it. I like that. People don't just come and work for you for a year and then leave. They own it. They, they, they literally are part of it. Right. And, and it's the only way we can actually build um, a sustainable living is not just to make minimum wage for a period of time. And you may be a great artist at it, but where do you go from there? You know, yeah. if, you, if you don't get exposed to, to somebody who's going to back you to open your own restaurant, what do you do after... 10 years of being a cook or a sous chef or something like that. Um, so, so that's what I want to do. I want to start that. That's part of it. We started this, um, this foundation this year, which I'm really excited about called the dream big foundations. Awesome. Thank you. And, um, it is, um, funded by DHG and, and kind of our actions in there. And it's to, it's to promote entrepreneurial spirit with our, with our employees. So, we have a, a fund, and people can apply for for these scholarships um, to start their own things. You know, start their own podcast, start yeah. their own, um, you know, political mission. Yeah. Um, doesn't have to be a physical thing. And so, we're excited about that. I I, I think that people need uh, a community to work within, where it's not just a paycheck. Yeah. I think any more. First, it was a paycheck, and then it was about more of a paycheck, and then it was about benefits, and then it was about you know, all, yeah, uh, you know equal yeah. right, you know, et cetera. It's like. But, it, but it's, it's more than that. Um, I think we, we have tried in our industry to figure out a way to equal the playing field between front of house and back of house. And, and there's just no real easy way to do it in terms of pay, quote right. unquote. But, but the, the other way to do it is to really look at it and say, yeah, you may make more, less money now, but, but the, you, have, you have worked into an environment where you now have benefits that are exceeding just health insurance. Yeah. These are opportunities, and that's worth more than gold. Right, exactly. And it's opportunities, everything. Opportunities, Even everything. if they, they, yeah. they fail, yeah. they had it. Yeah. They were, you know, everybody needs that chance to become it. Yeah. If you are, it's great. If you don't, that's, yeah. that's life. You know? yeah. Either you make it or you don't. Yeah. And yeah. Just but to have it is monumental. <laughs> but you want like people to have a goal. shot, and yeah. that's the thing, and I'm that's what we're most excited about is like, if you get your shot and you wasted it because you didn't do the homework, you know, it's like Eminem says, you know, you, you only get one shot, and you got to take it, and you got to be Once prepared for it, and and you need to uh, to um, not waste it. And I think that's yeah. all of us. And I don't care whether you're Michael Jordan, I don't care whether you're Jay Z, I don't care whether you're you know um, uh, you know you or I or you know anybody else. Um, politician you know whatever they got they got to that one election and they managed to get an office you know whatever it was and and so i think that what you do with it once you get it is yeah. up to you and yeah. you know and if you squander that well then you, you got you, you're gonna figure out the next step you know right. kind of thing so um so that's what we're, i'm excited about and um uh, trying to figure out how we can help our communities because we um we talked about it earlier but we're in a, in a difficult world right now and everyone is shouting and everyone's screaming um, and we're not in unison. It's, it's a difficult time. Yeah. And I think um, what we can do is control, right? Yeah. We can control ourselves. We can control our own emotions and we can control our own actions. And so if you can put your own actions into work, if you're not happy about um, something, then shout about it, but shout about it, write letters, you know, go show up at, at, uh, um, 
town hall meeting town hall meetings like go that, show yeah. up down at, uh, at at city hall is what yeah. i'm trying to say like you did you know let's yeah. go go do your thing go do your part and then and then mo- most of all change within you yeah. know um if you don't believe in that anymore stop buying it you yeah. know uh, <laughs> just just stop doing it yeah. it's amazing how much um you know everybody wants to talk about saving small business but yet so many of us don't you know, in a way we still shop on the internet. I do it myself. And so you, you try and, and either buy what's necessary, not, not what's extravagant if you don't need it. And, uh, and if you can buy it from, from somebody who, you know, their name, it's probably a good idea. Try that. And, um, um, and pay full price. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't, don't ask for the oh, Always ask for the discount. <laughs> um, or pay what it's worth. You know, I think that's, right. those are good things. So I think, you know, show restraint on some of those things. Yeah. You know, it's, it's worthwhile. Totally get that. Yeah. So I, I do have to say like, this has been an amazing conversation, <laughs> chef. Like I'm telling Thank you, you the opportunity man. to be Same able to here. sit down and have this conversation with yeah. you, to have this luxurious space. Thank uh, you. This great, great acoustic environment. This, this lovely equipment. It's That's all awesome. because of you and, and Agatha as well. Yeah. Um, pushed me towards limit. You guys gave me the resources. That's awesome, man. To, to create and you we're did doing it. it. Yeah. We're keeping the legs moving. I love we're it. We're not stopping. It's so like, cool. You know, we have dreams to go to go higher. You yeah. Know, this is only the beginning. Yeah. We spoke earlier about like, hey, look what we're doing. Yeah. Just take a look. Yeah. And, you know, take note cause, and look at yourself later. And I, I thank you completely. And I want to give you this time to the plug in once again some more projects. Anybody oh, thank you. Want you. To shout out. Thank You've been you. Been doing shout outs this whole time. <laughs> you, can, you can centralize it. I'll give you that time. That's all you. Thanks, man. I'm sure that people I forgot out there, but I, you know what? I, I mean, we're we're supporting um, not only families. We're we're obviously uh, donating to charities left and right um, to try and support um, Milwaukee Freedom Fund. You know, certainly ACLU and and um, NAACP and and you know so many others that we've you know we come across and we're like. We think this is really great. People need to get behind this. And we've we've really shifted based on some feedback that we have from some of our employees. We've really shifted our our voice in terms of who we are and who are who we think leadership should become. And and we're not perfect, you know. I think that's the 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 key there is is understanding and learning and that we're never you never stop learning. Right. And so never. it doesn't matter um, who you are, where you come from, what nationality you are, the color of your skin, you know, the sex you are, like you have to take a pause and, and think selflessly towards the world. And, yeah. and no matter um, our plights, um, we can get through this yeah. and, and we will get through it. And, and you, you sometimes have to turn around and look back at where you have come from five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago to say, we have made progress, not nearly as much as we should have but we've made tremendous progress and you can't lose sight of that and then use that as momentum to go forward. And so I'm, I, my shout out is for that, is for the world, is for, you know, the industry, the hospitality industry. Um, may we get better, may, right. we, may we be stronger, may we be more responsible and more inclusive, you know, along the way. And so yeah. I'm picking up that banner. Um, I'm challenging my, my you know, fellow uh, hospitality restaurateurs and yeah. whatnot to do the same. And put your actions, you know, where your mouth is. Right. And, and um, you know, I think that's just, it's 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 not just great business. It's great friendship. And it's great love. And, yeah. and um, you know, keep the passion alive. So that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chef, I'll raise my glass to you. Thanks, man. Thank do you. you. Have, do you have a cheers for us? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, here's to sunnier times. Um, but uh, but a lot of great memories here. Yeah. Um, this is uh, this restaurant legacy will come back. Um, you know, Pasquale that's Jones, good. and that's and, a first. Uh, that, that's a that's fresh off I know, the press. Right? Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> and um, uh, and so many others will too. And and 
from those restaurants that, that didn't make it, you know, here's to all of you for all the blood, sweat, and tears that go into it every single day. Uh, for the line cooks, for the dishwashers, for the servers, for the glass polishers, for the bartenders, for the managers, for those, you know, the stewards and you know, all the people that it takes to, to create. Um, this is to all of you because I think it's such a magical thing. You know, a restaurant is a living, breathing thing yeah. that is way more than the sum of its parts. Right. And um, when it's right, it's magic. And yeah. so here's to the magic, man. Cheers. Cheers. Love it. Yes, sir. Mm. Delicious. Yeah. Cedric, Rosie, great wine. You the don't wi- tear. Wine was great with the conversation. Yeah. I think cool. It was perfect. Great way. So, Chef, you know the drill. You know how we do it oh, around yeah. here. If you're so kind to take us out. So, I, I, uh, I'm always nervous when I do the takeout that yeah. I'm going to like mess the timing up. <laughs> uh, for those of you who, uh, who don't know, we do a single clap, take us out. It, it's kind of reminiscent. Of, of a sports team and, and a shout out to Peter Andrew out there. Uh, Pete, if you made it all the way through the podcast to the very end, <laughs> you're in luck because Pete and Arvid, um, Arvid, our wine director and, and um, uh, incredible friend, world's best sommelier, was a big part of uh, launching Legacy Records and Pete also was there. And so Pete was a collegiate and a professional basketball player. Yeah, and so yeah. we had the like, we had a little bit of sports in there. Takes a special person. Anyway, right, right. we do one single clap just to get everybody on the same page. Uh, so let's do it. Let's do it. Three, two, one. Nice. Nice. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. Every time. <laughs> so good. So good. Veterans in the game.